0: Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. What a show we have lined up for today, Sleaze. First, let's just discuss real quick the Honda Classic. Matt Jones, the Aussie, put on an absolute clinic, won by five to get his second PGA Tour win.
1: Surgical. Around a course that can make you look like an idiot. Made a lot of great players look like idiots over times there. Um, but dude, what do he pick up? 14 shots, I think, to Green on the week. The highest at that golf tournament since they started recording. I mean, he was incredible tee to green and how fun to watch the dude just play unbelievably fast i mean if everyone on tour was matt jones we get this thing done in 315 every single week but it's he's the anti-modern day player he just picks a club goes and it's really fun to watch it's refreshing to watch
0: it is it was just uh, a dominating performance Open with 61 tying the course record which <laughs> i don't you just don't see 61 around pga national it's it's insane how good that is but uh, he he put on a show and deserved to win.
1: Dude, when I saw that first round score, I was like, "What do we do? Have they changed the golf course? Like, what? What? 61 out there? I mean, that is a that is so so hard. There's so many holes that can jump up and snatch you at any time on that golf course to get around there with no blemishes. I mean, 61. It's just that's unheard of. And he and he kept it going, man. I, watching him yesterday close that thing out, which he did fairly easily. There wasn't the drama that we're used to seeing at the Bear Trap. Makes you wonder, like he looks so good. Why haven't we seen more? You know, it's been seven years since his last win. Why haven't we seen more of him? Everything looked perfect. And maybe this is just a little shot of confidence he needs. But, I mean, God, I don't care who was there yesterday. If that field had all the best players in the world, it would be tough to beat Matt Jones.
0: Yeah, I mean, golf is hard. That is the simple answer. But congratulations to Matt Jones. And speaking of things that are difficult, we have some breaking news in the golf (sighs) subpar. Next week, the time has finally come, Sleaze. We've talked about it with a lot of our guests. I've always liked to get, especially our hockey guys, their yeah. opinions on this. The bet with the great Ray Whitney, former NHL superstar. Y'all made about four to five years ago, and nothing's ever happened. It's always been a lot of shit talking going back and forth mm-hmm. about this bet. There's three there's three different bets going on. We've Correct. got the, we've got the ice den, rent it out.
1: Home next, of the coyotes week. practice. But
0: the three bets consist of you've been on skates once when you're like nine years old
1: yeah nine or ten i cruised around a lake one time that was frozen over i felt like if you're lying to us
0: and you look like a superstar when you get out there we're gonna if i look like
1: yeah all these nights late nights when i you think i'm at home i've been sneaking out for some skating sessions all right well
0: just to remind everyone (laughs) at home we got three bets you got to go around the rink rink. you can't walk you actually have to try to skate
1: technically i can walk i will not there is no time constraint in terms of getting around the arena uh, so I could just baby step it around. I won't. Yeah. I'm a man, so and no I have falling, some pride. no
0: falling, no touching the boards. Without Correct. falling. Bet number two from the blue line. Yeah. Which is further than you thought it which
1: was. Seems to be a lot. Are they moving the? Are they moving that thing back? <laughs> but you are
0: on skates. You get fifty pucks. You got to fly one into the net.
1: Yes. Uh, first of all, the skating around the rink—that's done. I will do that. I'll book any bet anybody wants on that. I have confidence in myself. Even though I've never been on skates other than one time, I can do that. This is where it gets interesting on the shooting. A, the blue line is way the hell further away from the net than I thought. B, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, well, even if I am able to get around – if I don't skate around the rink, the rest of the bets are dead because yeah. I won't be able to do it. But I was looking at it, I was like, even if I can lift one from the blue – if I can get it to where I can lift it, wrist shot, slap shot, whatever the- – <laughs> It's got to go in the net in the air thing is freaking tiny. but Yeah, it's not a soccer too. goal down there. Now, I'm coming out depth. first shot. I think my strategy is going to be wrist shot, but my first shot will be a full bore slap shot. And if the stars align and I just hit some laser beam directly in the net and walk off, that'll be the end of time. For, well, no, because you can't walk Whitney. off because there's a
0: third bet to get to.
1: I'll walk off and then uh, just concede the last one. Because yeah. <laughs> well, I really don't want to do it.
0: The third bet, we got Ray Whitney, yeah. 22-year NHL veteran. Because you mm. think this was after some cocktails, some some delicious Austin yes. cocktails. You thought you could go from one end of the rink towards Ray, who is who is planted at the far end of the ice. You get to your top speed, Which whatever, is whatever be that fact. is. And Ray says you will not move him one inch.
1: Uh, yeah, a little background on this bet. This bet came about, about five years ago. We are playing the Twin Fin, the Desert Marlin at the time, out here at Greyhawk. And there was 15 guys. We all go after the first round to grab dinner. Drinking all day. Right. It's a long day out there. Probably Five, six hours of drinking, head to dinner, have a few more. And I mean, at this point, we are loud. We're being asked to leave, things like that. And I mean, there's not you could have bet me. Hey, Drew, do you think you can land on the moon in the next 48 I like, yep. What do you want to bet? I could have, I could do anything. I was Superman at the time. So they would start popping off with Ray. And that's where the origin of these bets come from. But yes, this last one moving ray whitney it's basically the more i'm thinking about it it's like it'd be like running into a fire hydrant can you can, he's built like a fire hydrant mm-hmm. he's low to the earth and he's just a little shit house so i'm gonna have to be coming with some serious serious velocity but dude i'm not gonna sell out to ray i cannot wait this wednesday i might go skate first on his ass
0: <laughs> no you're not see how bad Don't he wants ray. it this wednesday march 24th 5 45 p.m eastern time it's going to be awesome. On next week's episode, we're going to break it all down for you. Hopefully you have a little video. I got video, sweaty palms right now talking about it. It is going to be a lot, a lot <laughs> oh, of fun. Hopefully no. you don't die. Just in case, send all you know co- all your, ho- resumes. Co- your resumes for yeah. for another co-host here on Golf Subpar to our our wonderful producer, and we'll – pick someone if sleaze dies
1: there could be a vacancy and i've had some hockey players reaching out to me on instagram and things like that coaching me up give me some advice if you are a hockey player or know anything about hockey at all and have any strategy for me in terms of hitting the puck in the net from the blue line fire them at me because i'm open for anything but 50 pucks dude i can try a lot of different strategies yeah.
0: it's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait but sleaze We got a massive guest this week. It's March Madness, and who better to have than Thunder Dan Marley in the building?
1: Oh, my God, dude. Thunder Dan, a Phoenix legend. He'd be one of the guys that's on the short list for icons. I mean, it was before I moved here, before you moved here, but back in the 90s when Dan was doing his thing, let's just say – It was good to be Dan Marley in this town. The Suns were rocking. They had Barkley, Marley, Kevin Johnson. They were the show, and, I mean, Marley was the deal uh, in this town. He was as big a deal as you can get in this town.
0: Yeah, and he's a huge golfer and can actually really, really play. Legit good. Low round of 66. Yeah. You'll learn about his golf game, basketball, and a lot more. But before we get to Dan Marley, a word from our official sponsor, Rockform. Sleeze. I mean, we, we talk about it every week. It's the greatest speaker we've ever seen, we've ever used. We use it every weekend. When we're out there getting amongst it on the golf course, best battery life I've ever seen. Six rounds, no problem. Keep on using Rockform.
1: Oh, there's there's no there's no second in this category. It's Rockform or bust. We're gonna have a couple out there tomorrow night. Might sync them up so we can create some ambiance in that arena. Mm. You know, I like playing in front of a packed arena. Get the juices going. But there's no better there's no better speaker in the game than Rockform. Don't play around at golf anymore without one. Wouldn't even imagine it.
0: Nope. Waterproof. Can't beat it. You know what? You need you need room in your cup holder. Horse, dude. With Rock Form. First thing Magnet first. right on the side of the cart. Will not, there's no possible way for this thing to fall off. Now, you could run Strongest into pattern.
1: Ray Whitney in a golf cart and that magnet will stay. That's how strong it is. <laughs> you might
0: need a golf cart to move Ray Whitney. <laughs> it
1: might take that.
0: But seriously, go out there, get you a Rock Form. Go to rockform.com, enter code subpar for 25% off. That's R O K F O R M dot com. Type in code subpar, get you 25% off your Rock Form speaker. All right, here he is, Thunder Dan Marley on Golf Subpar.
1: We have a Phoenix icon in the building here with us today. We got 14-year NBA vet, three-time NBA all-star, probably one of the coolest nicknames in all of sports, and a hell of a stick, Thunder. Dan Marley, how are we doing, my man? I'm good. As far
2: as the stick, it depends on the day. That's why golf is so frustrating. One day I'll go out and shoot a 69, and I'll go out and shoot a 79. So I've seen it. It's pretty
1: good. It's, it's Multiple I mean, times. I but, played with you the other day. It was, that, was was day. Nice. that was a good day. That was a good day. That's nice. why
2: golf is so frustrating for me, because I love it. And... I go out there and I think I got this great swing thought or something. I'm hitting the ball great and I'll be like coming and be like a 79. I'll be like, what the hell just happened?
0: Mm-hmm. You yep. know how how much different is that from basketball? In basketball, is it just I mean, does your like fundamentals or does does your technique? Well, you'll have bad days
2: in basketball because oh, yeah. you'll, you'll you'll miss shots or something. But you can make it up for defense and rebounding. And I always say in golf, if I get frustrated, you can't do a whole lot. In basketball, I'd go. You know, if I was playing against you, I'd give you a nice hard box out or knock you at the side of the head or something. Please make don't do that. Feel, I won't. I'm sensitive. <laughs> but golf, you can't do that. You're just, just you and that ball. And it, it's such a mind game for me. It's mental. If I hit one bad shot or if something's not feeling right, then I just – I struggle. And in basketball, if your shot's not going well, you can always get to the free throw line or you can go hard to the basket, get fouled or make some layups or make other kind of plays. And to me, that's why golf's so hard.
1: And you you got into golf when you were still playing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I I never played. Well, I
2: can't say I never played. I played a little bit as a a kid. I I grew up, my dad, you know, was a single chair barber and he'd play maybe on a Sunday and I played baseball and I was a left-handed hitter in baseball. So every time we'd go to the course, we had to go through this pain in the the ass of renting left-handed clubs. Mm -hmm. So I finally said, all right, I'm just going to start using my dad's club. So I started playing right-handed and didn't play very much. And then I bought a house uh, on the Biltmore. So it was probably back in 1990 or 91. And I lived right on the 19th of the links course. And uh, when the daylights, you know, was going down and people were stopping to play, I'd go out and I had this black lab and I'd go out and I'd take like 20 balls and I'd take a little seven iron and I'd hit shots down the fairway. And this black lab would run down and no matter where I hit the ball, I'd walk, you know, 150, 160 yards down the fairway. There'd be 20 balls sitting down in the middle of the fairway. So I would do that for like 30 (laughs) minutes where I just hit every shot and that lab would go get every ball. And I would just continue to do that. And, Got addicted to the game, and then finally uh, uh, joined Arizona Country Club, and that's over them it was, it was more like uh, it was something that uh, took my mind off of basketball. I would go to Arizona and just hit balls for hours or hour and a half after practice, just to clear my head and just stand on the back range and hit balls. And just it's a game that I just I, I can't get enough of.
0: Did the did the clubs travel when you were still playing? No, in the NBA?
2: no, you can never play, uh, especially you know early. Uh, we 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 flew uh, commercial, so we never chartered when I first got wow, in the things have yeah. changed. And then when you were playing, uh, there was no use to take any clubs because uh, once we started chartering flights, uh, you would go in, you would play the game, and then you'd leave right after the game and go to the next city and then get up and – uh, have shoot around or have practice and so there's really no time to play
1: pitchers are the only worthless athletes that get to play well so i said working. if i had
2: to do it again i'd be a pitcher no I'd, kidding. I'd, I'd, I'd work once every five days and then play golf make yeah. like, like,
1: 30 million that'd be yeah, awesome. the incredible. highest paid guy yeah. you'd work yeah. the least the show be a hard-throwing
2: left-hander would be awesome
1: they what? got they pay those guys mark Mulder. They, yeah you'd and mark. <laughs> <laughs> mark, he's <laughs> good looking
2: God, we, hate, we hate him don't right we here. wish <laughs> yeah Shit. Hate that
0: guy but tell we've, we've played golf you tell the people at home like what's the strength of your games what's the what's the one thing you'd like to improve the most
2: Short game, chipping. Yeah. Worst part of my game by far. Um, that's one of those things that some days I'll go out there and I can hit chips, and the other times I'll – I think you actually saw it a couple times we play. I scull it over green. I just I just cannot figure out the chipping, especially against tight lies. Can't do it. Uh, driving is a pretty good part of my game. Um, iron play is not bad. Putting come and go, but the chipping is the worst by far. Well,
1: I didn't the driver's pretty damn good. You, you move it. I mean, obviously you're a great athlete, but, like, we played – especially up in Flagstaff where there's no air. Yeah. I mean, you hit some seeds.
2: Yeah, well – you know, I'm pretty big and, and tall. I got a short backswing uh, mm-hmm. due to a lot of injuries and no flexible, uh, no flex uh, flexibility, but, uh, yeah, driver, I usually hit pretty solid.
0: Favorite, favorite golf course you ever played?
2: Well, I was talking about, there was a golf course in, uh, I think it was called Eldorado and Oh mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: That's the name. Oh, that's that was the one.
2: one. Yeah. I've played, you know, Pebble. I've played Olympic. I've played, uh, uh, Pine Valley, played them all, but for some reason, El Dorado was the best. Just the environment. Could
1: be those little huts, those little like <laughs> underground burial sites where they put all the booze. Those help too. That might be it too. What's on the wish list? That you haven't played
2: uh, Augusta.
1: Yep, that's a good one.
2: Uh, Cypress Point. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably the two right now.
1: You're so dialed. I feel like that's a quick phone call away for you. Yeah. Well. I need a couple dudes in town, maybe. Could well, there's a guy like named that. Craig Neal
2: who's the assistant coach at Nevada. was a was a coach at uh, New Mexico, who's a Georgia Tech guy, and he told me uh, there's a lot of members that went to Georgia Tech at Augusta. And he said, for your 50th birthday, I'm gonna get you on Augusta. Well, I'm 55, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I still gone, and I still yeah. haven't
2: gone yet. And there's a place in, in Atlanta where they have a picture of Augusta in the airport, mm-hmm. and I actually stand there every time I go and I set, take a picture and I send it to Noodles, unless I'm still waiting.
1: Yeah,
0: that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, a, are you a big golf fan? Like, do you watch on TV and stuff when, when yes. you're home? Yep. yep. Glued to the TV?
2: Uh, as much as I can be. I do. I love golf. I was telling you earlier, I was watching replays today of the TPC and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I love just watching golf. It's fun.
1: Why do you think it is, like, we've had a lot of athletes on, we have a lot of golfers, but a lot of athletes from other sports too, and clearly golf's like the unifier here. What is it about golf that, like, every single athlete that, whether they're still playing or, or retiring, gravitate towards golf?
2: Um, For me, it's probably the only way I can get a whole lot of competition anymore. You know, I grew up uh, playing basketball and baseball, that kind of stuff. And when you play in the NBA, one thing that really kept me going, even when I was coaching, was the competition part of it. I love to compete. And at my age now, I can't do a whole lot of stuff physically. And a good way for me to compete is golf. And I've been a part of team sports my whole career. And as we've talked about, this is more of an individual sport. Mm -hmm. So it's just you and the ball. I actually – have a hard time when I'm playing in a member member something where I'm with a partner because I hate I hate letting people down now, yeah, especially on the golf course. I hate it. So when I'm in a when I'm out there playing golf for money or whatever, it's just me and the ball, and it's just what I do. So the competition for me, I think, is what keeps me going.
0: Well, you, and you play every damn day.
2: Well, I, I play probably nine times a week. Now, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, got can't nothing else. Why to, your back's I got nothing else to do. it's
1: the only sport where you can drink. No, it's not one. Yeah. Well, it's
2: not the only one, but I'm not very good at bowling. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if we count
0: so, that. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little basketball because you were obviously you grew up in Michigan. You were stud in high school, ended up going to Central Michigan. Was that kind of the plan all along, or were you just were you open to going anywhere, and you just decided to stay? Well, it was home? funny
2: when I grew up in Traverse City. Uh, my junior year was the first year that uh, high school athletes could sign after their junior year. So I averaged like twenty-one and eight uh, my junior year, and all the Mid American schools kind of recruited me. With Central Michigan, went down to Central Michigan, Western Michigan, and Toledo. Um, uh, my assistant coach had graduated from Toledo and went on to play for the Washington Bullets, a guy named Tom Gazelco. So I narrowed it down to Toledo and Central Michigan. And a great story is that I was going to, I made my decision. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to Toledo. I'm going to follow this guy's footstep. So I told the two coaches not to call me for the weekend before uh, I was going to make my decision. So on Sunday night, I'd made my decision, and I get a call about 1130 at night from the Toledo coach. And I'm like, "What are you doing, calling me?" And this guy was drunk when he called me. <laughs> oh, awesome. hey, but he was so excited that he, you know, he was going to like, "Are you going to come?" Are you come. Hung up the phone, told my mom and dad, "I'm going to Central Michigan." Changed, went to Central Michigan. Played my senior year. My senior year in high school, I averaged 38 and 16. I was the second Not leading. Bad. I was the second leading score in the nation. So I could have went anywhere I wanted to. I went, I could have went to Michigan. I went, went to Michigan State. Uh, Bill Frieder at the time had told me before I signed. He said, "Hey." Don't sign after your junior year. We want to watch you play um, through your senior year. I took the scholarship, so no, I'm going to do it. But it's probably the best thing that ever happened to you because when I went to Central Michigan my first year, I had a back my first back surgery, so I ended up redshirting. So going to Central Michigan, they ended up waiting on me, and I was able to – you know, if you went to Michigan or Michigan State, they're going to always probably recruit over you. So I was able to wait and had a great uh, career at Central Michigan. Uh, stayed all five years. Um Funny thing, yeah, funny that. thing was is that I was probably projected to be a third-round pick at, at, after Central Michigan. So they invited me to uh, Portsmouth, which was back then was like uh, where all the second or third-rounders were going to go. And I wanted to go to the Chicago camps, which is going to be all the first-rounders. And they said, no, we're not going to invite you to Chicago. You're going go to go to Portsmouth. I ended up going to Portsmouth. I won the MVP, uh, won the championship there. They invited me to Chicago, said, no, I did my business. Because of Portsmouth, I got invited to the Olympic team to try out. Uh, went to the Olympic team. There was 103 players invited to the Olympic trials. I was the 103rd player invited to the Olympic trials. The first day I was sitting, we were all sitting on the floor. We were all dressed in blue practice jerseys, all said USA. Uh, John Thompson was the coach. George Raveling was the assistant coach. And I'll never forget, the very first day he went through roll call, and when he got to my name, he said, Dan Majorly." so i raised my hand i said i'm here and i said there's no way in hell i'm gonna make this team so the day went by next day went through roll call called me dan majorly again long story short short i kept on making the cuts i kept on making the cuts and then before you know it i got invited to the select team went to spain uh, did well over there and was finally one of the last 12 guys to make the team Uh, Ended up playing uh, on the Olympic team in 88, went to Seoul, Korea. uh, Led the team in minutes and scoring. I think I was third in rebounding. I think I was named the male athlete of the the year that year for the Olympics. Um, So from going through just nobody knowing my name and hardly being invited to making the Olympic team and having that experience with John Thompson and that whole thing. Uh, And I always say that we're the reason there is a dream team one because we were the last college team to play in Olympics. We lost, and they said, there's no more losing. We're going to invite the pros so we have the best team going. And that's why they invited the Dream Team 1.
0: So you went from 103 to on the top 12 to the athlete of the year, male yeah. athlete of the year Crazy. basketball. Yep. That's incredible. Before you
1: play an NBA game, you led the team yeah. in scoring that. What was that like going over there as just a young kid? Like, holy shit, I just graduated Central Michigan. Now I'm playing on the U.S. Olympics. Yeah,
2: I, it was nuts because all I thought about is, is – Every practice, I knew I was playing for John Thompson's, just never show I'm tired, just play as hard as I can. They said, go through drills, you know, said, okay, we're going to go through this drill, just go 70%. I went 100%. Uh, John Thompson was so tough that there were guys begging to be cut. I mean, his he would go through, we'd line up after practice on the baseline and we'd be getting ready for sprints. And he would always say this He said, You guys want this to be your dream? I'm going to make it your nightmare <laughs> and blow the whistle. And then we'd just run and run and run. So it was a hard camp, but I just kept my head down and just worked as hard as I could. And I think he kind of fell in love with how hard I worked. I, was, you know, I played hard defensively and um, one of the best coaches I ever played for. And because of that, um, I was able to be drafted by the Suns in the first round, of the 14th yeah, pick. I
0: was, was was that kind of a surprise to you that you went 14th? Or did you think you should have gone higher considering the Olympics you had?
2: Well, it was funny because I thought I was going to go 12 to Milwaukee. I was sitting in the base of my home in Traverse City, Michigan, and – after I got back from the uh, the select team, um, I had visited a couple a couple teams. I never even talked to Phoenix. The only thing that Phoenix had did was call me like at midnight one night for a one of those psychological tests. Like if you're coming to a. Uh, a traffic light—it's yellow. Do you speed up? Do you slow? So they give you these answers <laughs> to these say? questions. I don't know, but they give you these—they give you these questions that you have no idea what the answers are. There's just there's no right or wrong answers. What's they're just what you are. So anyway, I went out and worked out for Milwaukee, and Milwaukee told me that if you're there at 13, we're going to pick you. So I'm sitting there in the basement with my mom and dad, and 13 comes, and Milwaukee takes Jeff Greer, who incidentally was a Flint, Michigan guy who ended up was who went to Iowa. So when Milwaukee took. Jeff Greer I was like I have no idea where I'm going now I hadn't talked to Phoenix so I hadn't worked him out just did this little test so 14 came and they said my name so I was shocked
1: they said you tested like off the charts in that yeah they said that I was test. the best like, guy I've they, ever tested it. whoever did the test like immediately called the gym was like this is the kid take yeah. this kid
2: and I had no idea I mean I didn't know so when the 13 pick was I, was, I have no idea where I'm going and then Next thing I knew, Al McCoy was calling me on the phone, and that's when he said, everybody's booing you here. How do you feel? <laughs> yeah, I said, I could care less, yeah. Al. I'm just in the NBA. I'm happy.
1: But then the Olympics got you more exposure. Then people kind of, because you were at Central Michigan, you don't yeah. get the TV exposure yeah. of the Blue Bloods, the yeah. Michigans, the Dukes, and those. So no one really had gotten yeah. to see you play, really, until the Olympics. Yeah, and by the time knew. I
2: got here, people had changed their mind, and everything was great. And. It was just a perfect situation because before I got here with the Suns, it was before Tom Chambers and Kevin Johnson, and they made that train, uh, uh, trade for Tom. So the, my rookie year here, we had a great team at Phoenix. And one, at that time, it was one of the biggest turnarounds for a franchise in, in NBA history where the Suns went from, I don't know, 20 wins to 55 wins or something, all because of Tom and Kevin Johnson and Jeff Hornacek and all those guys. And I was a part of that team. Um, so I was very lucky. My 14 years in the NBA, the only te- the only time I never made the playoffs was my last year
0: with yeah, Phoenix. I was gonna say right out of the That's, gate, y'all yeah. you were a playoff. Oh yeah, playoff my first 13 years,
2: we won 50, 60 games of every team I was at.
0: That is incredible. I mean, was it hard for you to go? Because I heard before Barkley came in. I mean, you were you're the guy that would drive inside, you know, be mm-hmm. be physical, and then he comes in, and now you're, you're you become a three point weapon. Yeah, was that was that a tough change for you?
2: Uh, it was a little bit, but you know what I did is when they. We traded Jeff Hornacek mm-hmm. for Charles. Jeff was a great player, but you got to obviously have to give up somebody to get somebody like Charles. So I literally – and I tell my kid this, my son Max, all the time, that you can become a great shooter if you want to be. I was a guy who didn't shoot any threes. In high school, I never left the paint. I scored 38 points within two feet of the basket. I was a center. In college, I was a center for my first three years at Central Michigan. Moved out a little bit, but hardly shot any threes. My first three or four years in the league, I hardly shot threes. So that year, knowing that Jeff was gone and we were going to throw the ball in the Charles all the time in the post and it would be a lot of double teams, I locked myself in the gym. Uh, I shot 1,000 threes every night. Uh, Never, never, never took a day off and just spent the whole summer shooting threes and just trained myself to become a better shooter.
1: That's incredible.
0: I mean, it worked out obviously very well. I don't know how active you are on social media, but earlier this year, Steph Curry, they showed him hitting 105 in a row from the corner. Yeah, that's amazing. What, what, what's the highest you think you've ever been?
2: Well, I used to do this thing in, at Miami that we'd shoot 100 consecutive threes from different spots. So you'd shoot 20 in a spot, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, all the way around. i shoot 100 consecutive threes without stopping. And the most I ever made was 90. That's
1: still That's incredible. still getting it done. I know, but Thank
2: making – and that's moving. But to yeah. make 105 threes in a row, I mean, that's – Steph Curry is the best shooter that's ever walked this planet. Bar none.
1: That's, a, that's It's awesome. freakish. Bar none. It, being the way the NBA is right now with like the emphasis it's all dunking and it's threes basically, mm-hmm. right? It's yep. up and down. Being that you became such a great three-pointer, what do you think your career looks like in today's in today's game? Different?
2: Different, but uh I wouldn't change it, but I I would say this. Um I think the most threes I shot in a game was with when I when I was with Miami. We were in Minnesota. I shot 10 threes and I made nine. Correct. Most I ever shot, I think. Mhm. In today's game, I'd probably average 12 or 13 threes a game.
1: Yeah, it's just all threes and dunks. So I'd, I'd probably
2: average maybe five, six threes, four. Some games shoot two or three. Some shoot six, seven. But in this game, you're going to, especially the way I played, I'd probably average 11, 12 threes a game. Yeah, so you're, it'd you're, be a totally different game.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. stud from three point range. Yeah. You're a hell of a defensive player. Uh, yeah. Cha ching in today's game. You'd be pretty good, they pay, That's <laughs> a max deal, bud. That's they, a max they deal. They pay a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> that's like We got to talk a little bit about Barkley. He's been on the on the show. We know him. I've played a lot of golf with him and all this. What was it like when you found out Charles Barkley was getting traded to Phoenix?
2: I was jacked, man, because, <laughs> you know, we were so good before he came, but we could never get over the hump. We'd won 50-plus games. We'd lose to L.A. or we'd lose to Portland. We had great players. We just didn't have that one guy that kind of could throw us on his shoulders and lead us, and we knew Charles could be that, especially coming off of the Dream Team 1 deal. So when he got here, um, not only is he a great individual and a great guy, but he's the best player I've ever played with. I remember the first game that we played, I think it was against the Clippers at home, and everybody was kind of struggling, and he just took over the game. I mean, literally won the game by himself. And I said, this is gonna be great. And we went on to win 62 games that year. Uh, He was the MVP. We had the best record in the league. Uh, I opened Marley Sports Grill downtown. Uh, The arena opened that year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a dream season. And it had everything to do with the type of player that Charles was, but also the guys that we had around. We had a great mix of guys. I mean, we had Danny Ainge, uh, Kevin Johnson, myself, Tom Chambers, Cedric Savales, Mark West. I can keep naming them all. I'm not going to forget a few, but a, a different mix of players. But our chemistry was off the charts.
0: Yeah, you used to have to run into Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. The Unfortunately, finals. yeah. Yeah, that was a tough deal. A tough yeah.
1: Yeah, let's get that in a second. But was Charles the same the same dude that you see off the court now, like in the broadcast booth and things like that, when he got to the locker room? And oh, fans? yeah. Yeah?
2: Great story about Charles is that he was a terrible practice player. So we, we would hate it if he <laughs> practiced because he would screw up practice. He would come down and just jack threes and <laughs> – so you never want them to practice. And when you, when you play in the NBA, you're supposed to be there an hour and two hours before the game or whatever. And that usually at 40 minutes, they call you in and they go over the game plan. The coach is going to come in. He's got everything written on the whiteboard. We're going to talk about your coverages and what you're going to do offensively. And here's our game plan. Well, there's about 39 minutes on the clock, game clock. Whiteboard's full. Paul Westfall's sitting up there. Everybody's in their seat, but Charles. Charles, nobody's seen Charles. So here comes – walks in Charles in his street clothes. You know, it's about 39 minutes. Walks in, stops, stares at the board, takes the eraser, erases it, (laughs) writes, win, sits on his chair, and Westfall kind of looks, says, all right, guys, let's just go win. Put on our clothes, and we did it 62 times that year. We probably could have done it 66 times because we took – like the last five games off because we had the best record in the league and he had to play to any of the starters. That so is hilarious. That's just how good he was.
1: Let's stop overcomplicating this, coach. Yeah, <laughs> You're gonna get let's the just. to me a lot. Yeah, throw me the, the ball. Shoot some help threes. me, help me
2: guard my guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get all the rebounds too, and we'll win.
0: You yeah, put much golf play. together.
2: You know, I used to play a lot with Charles when he came here. Uh, I actually got really into the game because of Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is a good player. Uh, used to play a lot. So I used to play with him. And Charles back then was probably legi- a legitimate eight handicap. Mm-hmm. He was a good player. Yeah. Had a good swing, had a tremendous short game. Uh, so, yeah, we would go out. Uh, Danny and I, uh, uh, Charles, when Joe Klein came the next year, us three particularly would go out and play a lot of golf together. That's
1: awesome. How about his little resurgence right now, getting rid of the hitch? Getting a little better. I hope
2: it does, yeah, because I feel so bad for him because he loves to play. And like I said, he was a great player. I guess like you know from what I hear, when he went to Houston, when he got traded to Houston, he took some kind of lesson, and he got that mental hitch, and then it turned into that that what you see now and just ruined his game. But that, that was a guy who loved to play and wasn't a bad player.
1: Utley apparently has fixed him. McCord played with him a couple of days ago. He beat McCord in their game. He what? Giving him some pops. He beat Gary okay. McCord in their game. but I would never admit but that. But he beat Gary. him. He said he's hitting it like legit. No That's hitches, good to hear, man, because no he,
2: he loves to play.
1: He
0: does. He loves it.
1: But we got to go back to the 93
0: finals yes. a little bit. What? I mean, I can't imagine what's it like getting ready to go to the NBA Finals. You know, first you're going against Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. What was that like leading up into that? Like you said, everything was going, everything was buzzing in Phoenix.
2: Yeah, it was great. It was. Uh, it was kind of hectic. Um, you know, we have this. We have this. Was great year. Uh, the city's absolutely in love with us. I mean, we were the biggest ticket in town. Uh, I don't think I paid for one thing that year, probably because I went to Marley's <laughs> all the time. But <laughs> That helps. Yeah, that helps. But I remember going to a movie theater sometime and people stopping and giving us like standing ovations. I mean, it was just crazy how much people loved the Phoenix Suns. So uh, they had this great idea that after the regular season was over that they were going to get us out of town to get away from the fans and just kind of focus on the playoffs. So I think we went to Prescott. So we end up driving to Prescott and we pull up to the hotel and there's probably 200 people there standing outside the hotel. <laughs> I mean, it backfired unbelievable. Nice getaway. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. We couldn't rest. We couldn't do anything. People all around. So we end up, okay, get back to Phoenix. We open up against the Los Angeles, uh, the Lakers, who I think we beat eight times that year. So they were the eight seed with the first seed. And back then it was just a five-game series. We open it up. We get beat the first game at home against the Lakers. Okay, that happens. Second game, we lose. Now we're down yeah. 0-2 to the L.A. Lakers, the eighth seed. Now, this five is only games. a five-game yeah, series. A five. We got to go to L.A. and not only win, we got to win two games there. So we end up going. Now, that's when Westphal, I don't know if you guys heard the story where he says he made this great quote that he said, we're going to go to L.A., we're going to win the first one, we're going to win the second one, and then we're going to come back here and win the third one, and everybody's going to talk about what a great series it was. We go to L.A., we win the third one, we win the fourth one. We're like, all right, we even this thing up. We're going to go home, game five. Well, that night I went out, had something to eat, got food poisoning. So I spent the whole night in the hospital. Couldn't eat anymore, couldn't I'm having IVs in my arm right before the game. We get out there. I end up hitting a shot with like four seconds to go to send it into overtime. We beat the Lakers in overtime in game five of the 1992-93 playoff series. If we don't beat the Lakers, this story doesn't go on. Yeah. Catch fire from there. We beat uh, San Antonio. Charles has a big shot in San Antonio. We beat San Antonio in a great series. So then we uh, face Chicago. Chicago, we have the home court uh, advantage, so we're excited about that. We get to play at home. Same thing happens. We lose our first game to Chicago. We lose our second game to Chicago. Now we have to go to Chicago, and we have to win uh, three games there, or at least two games. So it was 2-3-2 series. We ended up winning the first game in a, Fantastic triple overtime game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We went. We lose the second one. Very close game. Uh, third game is about to tip off. They're talking about boarding up the city to save Chicago. Or to, to, and uh, yeah. Barkley says, forget that. We're going to save Chicago. We're going to win the game. So we go out. We beat Chicago. So we end up beating Chicago two out of three games. Come home to Phoenix. End up losing in game seven or game six. John Paxson oh, with the pants. three. Um, and up losing in six games, but it was funny because nobody could win at home. We beat Chicago two out of three there. They beat us three games.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, and I don't know if you saw Jordan's documentary in the last in the last yeah. dance, but he talked about going into that series. Their GM Jerry Krause had talked about how much he loved you, and they knew that, and Jordan knew that, and Scotty knew that. In the same way they did with Ku coach. In the Olympics like you were the guy Jordan always picked a guy it's like that's gonna motivate him yeah, was you were the guy did that. you <laughs> <laughs> did you know at the time that this, that he had targeted you like, I didn't know that until I I'm actually, gonna make his life yeah I didn't know home. that until I
2: watched the last dance I oh, really no did I was sitting there I was sitting there on the couch watching this and I was thinking okay is he gonna mention me is I hope he doesn't kill me I think I'll oh, <laughs> just I just maybe he shouldn't mention me so when he said that I was just as shocked as anybody that he would say that but it's and people bring that up to me all the time. like it's, I think it's a badge of honor. I mean, yeah, the greatest yeah, player yeah. in the
1: world. You got his attention.
2: He's trying to kill me, which he did. And it doesn't make me feel any way because he is the greatest player in the world. That guy was so great, not only offensively, but defensively. If he wanted to score on you, he's going to score on you. If he didn't want you to score, you weren't scoring. My whole philosophy of playing Jordan was to talk golf. That's all I did. Smart. I was like, hey, Mike, how's the game? What kind of ball are you playing? What's your driver? How are so you doing?
0: You're guarding him right there. You're yeah. saying well,
2: my, like my thing is, game I'm just six. I'm just trying to keep him mellow, so maybe he'll give me 35. Yeah. Because if I piss him off, he's going to give me 55. Right. <laughs> so I'm just talking golf. So I didn't know that that was one of his motivations, and now it kind of makes Were sense. Were you guarding he went him off. on
1: the defensive side?
2: Uh, we kept on switching because I tried it. Uh, Kevin tried it. Johnson. Uh, they put Richard yeah, Dumas. No they answer. put we put everybody on him, and he would have great Danny Ainge. He would just like I said, the guy was unbelievable, uh, and he carried their, he carried their team. He was that good.
1: Yeah, that is a Badger model, though, when you're the because he yeah. had to pick somebody every yeah. time to get him motivated, me against the world, and you were that guy yeah. for that series. And
2: there's no way. I, all I tried to do was beat him up because I, the, the only thing, I, I was stronger than him. I wasn't faster, quicker, obviously not more talent, anything. So I just tried to hold, grab, beat him up, hold him, try not to let him get to his spots. That didn't
1: work either. And Scotty was, was in on it too. I mean yeah, the same are. way with Kuko. So you gotta guard Jordan on one end, be defended by yep. Scotty sometimes. On, that's probably the hardest thing there is to do it in is. history. But but I
2: to be honest with you, if Scotty was on me, I was like, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Was
1: he a reprieve from Jordan? Well, it,
2: anybody's a reprieve from Jordan. I'm telling you, he was the best. Whatever he did, he was the best. If he wanted to guard you and not let you score or touch the ball, you weren't you weren't touching the ball.
0: Was that one like the night or even right before the game or the night before he, You're like, Okay, I got MJ tonight. This is I'm in for a long one. Yeah, what's that
1: night I, like before? I loved it
2: because I wanted to play against the, it. Was, it was fun, man. I, I really did enjoy it. And that old Chicago stadium, mm-hmm. it was – you would literally dressed in the basement. And when you go up to the floor, it was like you went up these old crickety stairs and, like, these doors open. And it was like walking in like the old – like you were a gladiator. Like you walking in. And back then people were smoking. There was, you know – smoke all in the building everybody was on top of you there was no better feeling in the world than going up those stairs and in in those little arenas like that and playing in, in that kind of stage i mean that's the kind of stuff you miss it was awesome
1: i got to go to a game there one time and it's to this day one of the coolest sporting oh, of, during movie. that year when they were when it was michael and all the and scotty and all those yeah. dudes. it was wild you gave him 34 in one game that series though i played well so yeah, I stuck a, that, yeah i had on that scotty i had a you record might.
2: i think uh seven threes and that tells you how far are we going? Seven threes in the finals was a record for a while. Yeah, that I made was, seven that threes. Was that was a record. So yeah, it's it's been a while. Obviously,
0: you yeah you played against him, mm-hmm. and now there's there's always the talk. MJ, LeBron, give us Dan Marley's thought. Is it even comparable?
2: Yes, it is now. I you know when I was coaching, we always that was a big conversation with our recruits because I mean, they're they've grown up LeBron fans. Mm-hmm. I you know I'm a, I'm a Michael Jordan fan, so you're never going to get me off that Michael Jordan's the best, and I still think he is, but if LeBron continues to do what he's doing at this age and at the clip that he's doing it, I don't think there's gonna be a conversation. I think he's gonna to have to be the best because he's been able to do, what's it now, 18 years or something? Yeah, dude, he's, my, he's our age basically. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And he just keeps going and he keeps getting better. I mean, that's unheard of. Now, it's a lot different now because of, of the travel and the practice and how everybody does things. Uh, but he he is amazing, but to, to my money, all-around player, a guy. And the other thing about LeBron is his size. I mean, the guy's 6'8", about 260. I mean, the, the guy's trough. huge. Yeah. You know, Michael was my size, 6'6", 220 or whatever. But with LeBron doing it that size, it's it's amazing. But to me,
1: Jordan will always be the best. All right, riddle me this, though. You got three seconds left. You got the ball. You're down one. You're going to inbound it to somebody. Would you rather inbound it to Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Yeah. There's no question. That's like my, yeah, no question. my thing on that. No question. Yeah. I mean yeah. – yeah, I don't think I, there's a wrong answer, but I no, right. they both. Jordan was just a killer, and like guys would get upset. I'm not Maybe saying the LeBron, Yeah, LeBron's the
2: second best. That, yeah. yeah, that's really awful. Yeah, but Yeah, he's second. He's <laughs> yeah, second yeah. to Michael. Yeah, I mean, come on.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, that's incredible. Who do you enjoy? You mentioned Steph Curry earlier in today's game. Who do you really enjoy
1: watching?
2: Uh, Joker, the Joker from mm-hmm. Denver.
1: Oh, that's the that's guy. my guy. Love I it. love you. The best passing big man. Oh, I love. Ever. I love
2: guys who have a high basketball IQ and you just i just fixate on him and just the way he's thinking game. like he sees plays two or three steps before anybody else i mean just the passes he makes and his vision and sometimes he'll catch the ball and he'll just stand there and then he'll make a quick move for him a quick move or he'll dribble and you'll like fake you and then drop a pass just his mental iq i just love watching him play defensively you know he's slow but he's always in the right position and you don't do that if you're not thinking the game, and that's what I love watching guys who think the game. And he's the best at it by far.
1: He's like Billy Hoyle. Like I feel yeah. like you're drafting. I know he's enormous, but if you're like, all right, uh, I got pick a guy. Who do you mm-hmm. want? Pick that guy right yeah. there. He doesn't look athletic, doesn't mm-hmm. look anything, but when Nothing. he gets out there, it's a joke. He
2: can shoot it. I he posts it, up. Great passer. <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, he's just, he's but sick, mentally, man. he's he's so far far ahead of everybody else. When you're watching him play, I just sit there and I'm like memorized by the plays he's making and how he sees the floor.
1: That's really cool. I want, can, can we talk about the 94 World Championship team? Yeah. Because that's one of the coolest teams, I think, ever. You got Dream Team 1, which gets all the – and that was, like, the pros pro. They were the guys buttoned up. Then you got Dream Team 2, and it's probably the cockiest, swaggiest group of dudes to ever be on a team before. Can you tell us a little – A, just name some of the guys that were on that team for people that don't know, and just what it was like playing on that team. Because it's the sickest squad.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It was, uh, it was Shaq, Derek Coleman, Larry Johnson, <laughs> Dude, it's all Reggie them. Miller. uh. Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp. How can I forget Sean? <laughs> uh, is Derek Richmond on that team? Mark. Alon- Alonzo Ma- Morning. Mark Alonzo Price. To be Mark the odd Price. Out on that Joe team. Dumars. Joe Dumars. Yep. Uh,
1: who else do we got? Derek Coleman. Kevin Johnson. Uh, got, yep. Kevin Just Johnson.
2: Dudes. Yeah. It was, we were very, very talented. But when you say uh, cocky is not, that's an understatement. Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> had, dude, we had some guys. I mean, guys jumping, dunking, you know, grabbing their, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was the anti-Dream Team one. It was, yes. So it, it was different, but it was a lot of fun. Um, coached by Don Nelson, <sighs> uh, was the best. it was, I used to play a lot of golf with, with, with Coach Nelson and it was funny. We'd be, I don't know if I should say this, but we were on the golf course and uh, we used to gamble a lot at night and then we'd go on the golf course and we'd playing and we'd have these big drinks of whatever we're drinking, and I'm driving, and we're driving, and he hits the ball right or something, so we're driving, and we're going over to the Bumpy Rough or whatever, and his drink's spilling. and he's sitting there yelling at me, he said, damn, Dan, I'd like to drink some of my drink, and I said, well, hit it in the damn fairway. I'm not the one hitting it over here in the rocks. Come on, coach. Yeah, yeah. hitting the fairway, it wouldn't be so bumpy. So we had a good time, but awesome. he, was, he was so anal about us losing because there's so much pressure that we yeah. had Shaq jumping and we were practicing jump balls dream team two was practicing jump ball situations
1: what was the closest with, with, game Shaq. Like, yeah. with we Shaq at the time was skinny Shaq young Shaq 22 yeah. year old Shaq out jumping biggest Shaq. freak of all yeah. time maybe. anyway nobody's
2: beating us we won by 30 or 40. Was say, what game. Was the 37 game, yeah. but you know I can understand you know that's a lot of pressure of a coach yeah. you, can you imagine losing yeah dream team two if you just following dream team one but a great story about that is when we, were, we used to have our team meals and everything and We had our team breakfast, and we came down to our team room, and there was a huge bowl of cereal, you know, one of those huge bowls where they they would take out the whole box of cereal and they'd pour, like a Rice Krispies, the whole box into the cereal thing, and then they'd take one of those big scoops and put a gallon of milk there. And the premises was that all the guys would come down, take a bowl, take the scoop, and put it in, (laughs) pour some milk, and go sit down. Well, here comes Shaq. (laughs) Shaq walks in, takes the whole damn bowl – and the big scoop and the gallon of milk and goes and sits at his own table, pours the gallon of milk and starts eating the cereal out of the, the scoop. whole box. It's a normal little. I was sushi. like Shaq. Yeah. That's our that, this is my size. That's skinny. <laughs> that's skinny Shaq. too. Yeah. That, I
1: mean, that, that's how huge that man was. That is, that is incredible. Man. What a great. Story. This might be a dumb question. Who was the with with that team? Who was like the vocal leader of that team, or was there one? Uh, because you had so many. guys. Yeah, Reggie talk, Miller. Shit.
2: Reggie Miller talked a lot. Yeah. and guys like that. I mean, we had we had a lot of guys. We had. I, reggie and i had a big thing going with ping pong we you know i, I like to play ping pong he was a good ping pong player so we had a lot of ping pong tournaments a lot of smack talking going there but i would think probably the most worker guy was you know tim hardy was vocal uh kevin and i pretty much stayed in the back mark price joe dumars but uh sean camp uh Derek dominique Coleman, was on that team too, dominique right? Ugh, yeah
1: what a team yeah it was i mean it was great shit team. it was a so joke. yeah
2: it was it was ridiculous so that was a lot of fun too i mean we you know, spent training in Chicago, and then you know, Toronto is such a great city, that's where we played, so it was awesome.
1: Do you guys get to go out while you're there? Like, oh, yeah, because you're gonna win every game by yeah, 40. Yeah. I mean, you did win every game yeah. by 40, so you're, you guys get you're in fun? Chicago
2: training all the time, and then you go to you know, you go to Toronto. So, two mm-hmm. two really, really fun cities to go. Yeah, you, got so to, we, you, you got to enjoy there. it, yeah. We got it. to have a lot
1: of fun. Practices had to be harder than the games. Th- was there any blow-up the practices? Thing.
2: We did, Like the dream team won. But I, I go back to and I love Coach Nelson. I go back that he was so he was just so. I think uptight about not that I would just like to say, okay, let's just go scrimmage, but we were working on crap, mm-hmm. you know, there's plays and defense and slides and all this stuff. Just let us go out there and scrimmage and have fun. But
1: that's awesome. It, yeah. it all fun worked experience. out. Yeah, that was a that was a different yeah. dream team. Yeah. It was, a, it, was yeah, it was that was team fun. was fun.
0: All right, well, let's get to some more fun. All right, before we get to the emergency nine with Thunder Dan Marley, a little word from our people at Austin Cocktail Salads. These things are delicious. When you're looking to get amongst it, no other way to go than Austin Cocktails.
1: Oh, these things are fantastic. Our guests have been drinking them on the show. I knocked down a couple of these sparkling mojitos just a couple days ago, and the thing is crisp. And by the way, packs a bit of a punch more than two times their typical alcohol by volume content. ABV, well said. ABV, just a little acronym we like to throw out in the liquor game.
0: Yep, 12.5% alcohol. It's basically two cocktails in one. They are delicious. Perfect for the golf course. Just put them right there in your cup holder, slam them. No big deal. They're refreshing, lightly carbonated, low carb, low calorie. That's why I like them. Great it. Great thing to have dead. at
1: home, dude. You just knock down two of these wipes. Like, why are you drinking? I've only had two. Yeah. Relax. Really, it's four. So you can have like three or four before you start getting any flack for it. So, it's a nice way to sneak in double drinking.
0: Totally agree with you on that. A, that's a very yeah, well that's point. Like, all know, right. we'll right go here. check them out. Austin Cocktails. Go get amongst it. Here's Dan Marley on the Emergency Nine. Let's get to the Emergency Nine. This is, we do nine fun questions. Get to know you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A little more thunder, Dan. We're going to let Sleaze start it off.
1: All right, Number this is one we ask everybody. Okay. All right, movie being made about the <clears> life of Dan Marley. Who, who do you want playing you? <clears throat> Yours might actually be believable. Well, people, I've heard people
2: say that um, Woody Harrelson looks a little bit Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. That's who I have there, written there, down, well, too. He's just not him. tall enough. Yeah, he's not but good there's looking enough There's <laughs> a guy, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah, I've met Vince Vaughn. He's tall. like 6'5". Yeah, yeah, he's a big, big boy. Uh, I love Will
1: Farrell. Love Will Farrell. The tropics. What was his name in the tropics? Yeah, Tropic Thunder. Jacky yeah, Moon. Jackie Moon. 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 Yeah, there he goes. In the post? Nope. Yep. Give it back. Nope. Nope. Give it back. Yep, give right. it back. <laughs> uh, uh, so
2: yeah, probably Vince Vaughn because he's 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 a big dude, six five.
1: Yeah, most people pick the best looking. Leonardo DiCaprio gets picked all the time. <laughs> Who, I, all these dudes that aren't good. You're actually yeah. like a good looking, yeah. in shape dude. So yeah. yeah, I had Bradley Cooper for you. Oh, I don't know if he can not hoop bad. at all. No, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> You're gonna need to work on it a little bit.
0: <laughs> all right. I just threw this one in there because of what you said earlier. You told your kid. That a great shooter can you can develop into a great shooter. We have this argument all the time about golf, and I know you're a big golfer, so there's always the argument as whether great putters are either born or you can learn to be a great putter. You said you can learn to be a great shooter. You think you can learn to be a great putter?
2: God, I hope so, because I'm not. A- <laughs> God,
0: I hope so. Because we always talk about like Roy McIlroy and these guys that well, are I think, so talented, but yeah. they're not that great a putter.
2: Depends on what you say, great. I think you can obviously become a lot better putter because I've become a lot better putter. Um... I think well. I think with 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 your shooting, if you there's always guys who have different shots and different forms, and if you do it enough, you can become a, a really good shooter. But if you have great form and you work on it, you can become a great shooter. So I don't know. You guys know golf obviously a lot better. If if somebody could teach you putting, as far as everything you have to do and you work on a lot, could that make you a great putter? Or you have is that more I think feel?
1: You can get better. I've always believed yeah, great we can putters have this are Conversation. More. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I just, the same way. I, you'd it's probably the same agree if, because it's a Reggie feel Miller, it's right elbow out, right? Yep. Not yep. great form. You wouldn't yep. teach that. Right? He had that dangling yep. right arm. But if you had a ball, if you had the ball with two seconds left, just like you said, Jordan earlier, you want Reggie having that. But ball. that's what I'm saying. And but Reggie, Reggie's head. done it
2: millions and millions because if it's repeatable, then you know what you're doing. And obviously, Reggie does something that's very repeat, repeatable. Um, like Larry Bird. Larry Bird has a different shot. He throws it way up here, mm-hmm. and it's behind his head but it's repeatable and he does the same shot every time. Um, I actually had really good form on my jump shot and I, and I used to work on it all the time. And I think that's what made me a better shooter is I had really good form and it's something that I just trained and I worked. So when I was doing it, I didn't have to think about it. It came more of a feel than anything.
1: You played center in, in college? I played. How far were you in college? Did you get a gross like I was 5'4
2: like as a freshman in high school and then I was 6'2 huh. in sophomore. I look like a Q-tip.
0: Well, we were tired as a freshman. <laughs> I, was, I was a white
2: kid with an afro. I, I really looked like a Q-tip my sophomore year in high school. And then I grew to 6'5 as a, as a high school kid, grew an inch in college, and I was 6'6". I played center all through college until probably about my junior year, and I started stepping out a little bit. Senior year started out a little bit. And then when I first got to the Suns, I was offensive rebound slasher dunker. Hardly ever shot from the outside. So I just changed changed my game totally uh, when Charles came. You told yeah, me when you got to the thunder. NBA
0: too. You went from size fourteen shoe to sixteen shoe. I did. Shoe.
2: It's unbelievable. I mean, well, it came actually uh, after it had to be after ninety four. Yeah. Because they made up uh, Nike made up these special shoes for us, and I saved them, and I looked at them like a year ago, and it was a size fourteen, and I tried to put it on, couldn't even put my put my foot into it. I wear sixteen now.
1: So you hit puberty twice. Yeah, I guess. Jesus, it's just yeah. not fair. Just my tough, feet and my ears keep growing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all right, clock winding down. Game on the line. You got to pass to any teammate of yours from any team all time for the game winner. Who do you want who do you feel most confident passing it to? Ooh, man. Any my team? Any guy you played with on any team. So it could be the Heat, could be the Cavs, could be the But sun. Not the dream team, too. Not the dream team? Yeah, leave them out cause I might okay. know. I, oh, man. Game on the line. I got to throw it to somebody. That's a good question trying to think of who I have on my team. Can't be you. You could throw it off somebody's back and then shoot it.
2: <laughs> you know, this would probably surprise you, but it, with the game on the line, it would probably be Charles.
0: Wow. We can't let him hear this. All right, we'll edit this question out. Yeah, say somebody gonna, else.
2: Yeah. His, you know, I played – you know, Danny brain. Angel was a great – I was going to say Danny, Danny Angel. Angel was a great clutch shooter. Uh, if he would have made the, the three in Chicago in game three, we wouldn't have went triple overtime. So, I can't – I got to – he missed a wide <laughs> open one. So, he's uh, out. Trying to think, but – I just think of guys who were clutch and were kind of born for that. And Charles hit a lot of big shots when I played with him. And he wasn't a good shooter. But when if you needed him to score, he was going to find a way to
1: do it. That's the thing with the putting. It's just yeah. something So I'd have got to say Charles. That he's got. All right. All right. that's All right. I That wouldn't have been the answer I would have pegged no. you with, but I like that. All right, next question. Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: You were a huge Larry Bird fan mm-hmm. growing up. I heard the first time you ever went up against him. It's a pretty cool story. Can yeah. you, Can you share that with us?
2: So Larry Bird, I, you said it, he was my guy, I loved him, my favorite player, still is my favorite player. Um, so my rookie year, going up against him, madhouse at McDowell, uh, I check in the game, I'm guarding Larry, so. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> so I figured, after about 10 minutes, I caught myself and I said, well I better stop idolizing this guy, I should probably start guarding him because he's killing me, but in the process, there was, a, there was a ball out of bounds on the side, and Larry's standing underneath the basket. And next to me is, I think it was Robert Parrish and Mark West, the two centers. Mark West is on our team. Robert Parrish is on the Boston. So Larry looks at Mark, and he says, hey, Mark. He said, we're going to inbound the ball. I'm going to come off a screen from Robert, catch it at the top of the key. I'm going to turn. I'm going to look at the rookie. I'm going to laugh, <laughs> and I'm going to shoot it and so make good. it. And he's saying this right in front of me. Yeah.
0: Hey, Larry, I'm right here. Hold on. Am I, am I the rookie? <laughs> I'm like,
2: you're talking about me? <laughs> so they inbound the ball. They inbounds the ball. Larry goes up, comes off of Robert Parrish, catches the top of the key, turns, looks at me, laughs, shoots it, and makes it, and then just jogs down the floor. <laughs>
0: That's so good. Well, I have arrived. <laughs> yeah, okay. so, thank you. That's got to
2: yeah. be a tail between him. the legs moment. That was awesome. Oh, oh, shit. I think my first game, I lined up against the Lakers. I started that game, and I talk about knowing you made it. Jump ball. Kareem's jumping. You got Magic, mm. James, Worthy, Cooper, and Byron Scott.
1: Not in Central Michigan. And you are like, yep, I am not. <laughs> I am not at Mount Pleasant. Yeah. This ain't the Chippewa. How about looking at that lineup for your wow, first game? That's crazy. That's gnarly. All right, next one. Do you think you or have you ever considered changing your nickname from Thunder Dan to Lightning Dan? Given the the speed of your backswing,
2: <laughs> I am trying to slow. I am trying to slow it down. It's short. It is. Uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that nickname is, in college. It was Dan Thunder Marley, because I was an inside player, and we had a guy named Irvin Levy, and he was a great outside shooter. Actually made it to the final cuts for the Chicago Bulls. And we had a really good team my my junior year when he was a senior in college. So they nicknamed him Lightning, and they called me Thunder, so it was Thunder and Lightning. And I hated that nickname. I absolutely hated it. So when I graduated from Central and I got drafted by the Phoenix Suns, I said, thank God, this whole Dan Thunder, because it was Dan Thunder Marley. It's over. Well – the first exhibition game, Phoenix went back to Mount Pleasant, and we played the Denver Nuggets for an exhibition game because exhibition games, they usually take it back to small cities or mm-hmm. small places or you know draft picks places. So we went there, and they introduced me, and the PA announcer at Central Michigan said, and welcome back, you know Dan Thunder Marley. Well, Al McCoy was there. So what do you think he did? Yep. He brought it back to Phoenix. Instead of calling me Dan Thunder Marley, he just started calling me Thunder Dan. So I was like, dang it. So we get back here and he starts calling me Thunder Dan. And now it's grown on me, I actually. I like it now, obviously. But I couldn't wait to get rid of that nickname when I got here. <laughs> I
1: mean, your friends, we call everyone calls you Thunder. Like, yeah. you walk up, like, what's up, Thunder? Like, no, I, I don't know another athlete whose nickname no. is used as much as yours. Maybe. No, it's amazing. And
2: I'll be listening to shows or listen to TV stuff. And somebody will, like, I'll listen to, I'll be watching college basketball games. And somebody had mentioned my name. Oh, they were, they were uh, uh, comparing me to the CRISPR. Uh, from the Gonzaga okay. about who they, and you said, oh, an old school guy would be Dan Marley, and the the other announcers oh yeah, Thunder Dan. Mm-hmm. So you're right, that's what people remember.
1: That was, yeah, it stuck. Yeah, it it is. is sweet in Gonzaga, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's nice. He's very nice. They got I don't know if they're going to get beat. They're great.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Not to yet, watch, for sure. Not yet, at least. All
0: right. Well, you already mentioned MJ, great trash talker. Larry mm-hmm. Bird, great, great trash talker. It, was there anybody else who was the greatest trash talker you went up against in the NBA?
2: Gary Payton. Oh, yeah, the glove. The glove. love, love, never stop. Like, Would he get personal?
0: Like, yeah, what, what? never stop talking. Never stop
2: talking. Um, I'm trying to think, there were so many back then. I mean, it was nonstop. Reggie Miller talked a lot of trash. Uh, it was funny. I played. You guys remember Dale Ellis?
1: Yeah, dude, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, of course. Another
2: big guy. He played. He played center in Tennessee in college. And he came in the league and was one of the all-time best three-point shooters ever. So I hated Dale Ellis. (laughs) Absolutely hated Dale Ellis. And him and I got in a fight one game when he was with Dallas, and I just couldn't stand him. So when I got traded to Miami, I think it was my second year, he actually got traded to Miami, and he turned into one of my best friends on the whole team. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the same thing with Ainge. People hate Ainge. If you're playing against Danny Ainge, one of the dirtiest players ever to play the game. I mean, you should see. There's a picture of when we were playing the Boston Celtics with – Kevin McHale doing a turnaround jumper just off the block, and Danny Angel's guarding him. And the picture, he has his whole hands around his nuts. Like wow. cupped. The good old days. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's just, and he would just, and you hated playing against him, but he was one of my favorite teammates ever. He would do anything for you, play as hard as he could. So, uh, Angel's one of those guys that you would just hate playing against, um, but love playing for. And Dale Ellis was the same way. I used to talk shit, crap to him, and he would do the same thing to me. But once, when, We played with each other. He was a great guy. I feel
0: like Reggie Miller would be kind of the same way. I mean, he's over there talking shit to Spike Lee in the stands. Oh, yeah. He never stopped. And he could talk because
2: the two Davis brothers, remember those guys? Yeah. yeah. 6'9", 6'10", about 260, 270. Imagine guarding Reggie Miller, and that guy never stopped moving, Ever. And all he did was run from a pick from one Davis brother to the (laughs) other Davis brother. And I was the guy that had to guard him. So I'm running into him. And then once I got around him, I had to run into the other other guy. And then it was unbelievable. Get that ice bath
0: ready after the game. Oh,
2: Patrick Ewing separated my shoulder one time. I was running through a pick on the top of the key. And he hit me so hard, my whole left shoulder just went down like that. I mean, back in the day, guarding guys like Reggie Miller and John Starks and guys who were running through picks. I mean they were headhunting. It was a tough deal.
1: Yeah, Reggie would run through five picks. Oh, he never stopped three. moving. I mean, so you, the guy like you having to guard him every possession and, and then go down and score on the other end. And guys
2: oh. think it's so easy for like Kobe and Michael and all these guys and Curry to score 40 points. Or, oh, if you take enough shot, It's hard to score that many points in the league because there's a lot of moving and energy and never stopping. It's hard to score that many points. It's
1: absolute work. Yeah, no no so. doubt about. It. Those dudes are getting picks constantly. Oh, yeah. All right, next question. You had a weird superstition where you wore only your right sock inside out. How did that originate?
2: My sophomore year in college, I uh, went into the training room and I had literally had a size of a blister on my right foot on the bottom. of My right foot was probably three quarters of my foot. It was okay. that big. I mean, it was huge. And the trainer, she said, well, all I can tell you to do is wear your sock inside out because it cuts down on friction. I said, that's, true. That's, that's it? I don't know. I was a sophomore in college. I don't know what the hell's going on. I just know I had a big blister on my foot. So I turned my sock inside out, and I think I scored like 40 or something that game.
0: Had to be the sock.
2: So I, I have not, to this day, and this honest to God, since my sock.
1: You know, I noticed Look this. Look at the... it. It's a reverse Jordan. You're it's never going to. So
0: we're playing golf at Greyhawk the other yeah. day. And me and Kevin Chapel both we'll and he's like his 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 one socks. This guy can't out.
1: even dress himself. <laughs> to this he's day, it, he's <laughs> he says no reason.
0: It was, that's incredible. To my wait. sophomore
2: year in college, never, not one day I have not had my right sock inside out. It's like a reflex now.
0: I, that is so funny. Out. We talked about it the other day, and I was like, "Oh, you just messed
1: You're up." Still doing it. I, yeah. I, I ruined my next question, which is going to be: Do you still are you do that for like a big member guest or something? I've never not had, had my sock in,
2: my right sock inside out since my sophomore no year shit. in college. Right? I'm gonna start trying it.
0: All right, last one for me. Got a big member guest coming up, your good buddy Vinny Del Negro. He told me this story, and I didn't really believe it, but now I'm starting to believe it just because what you told us about Michael Jordan. But did you really, during a key moment in the game, start asking him about his golf game while someone was at the free throw line to distract him?
2: <laughs> I did, and he to this day he still thinks it was intentional, <laughs> but it was unintentional. So we're playing at home against the San Antonio Spurs. Vinny's playing. We're staying at half court. Uh, one of their guys is shooting a free throw. And I started just talking because I knew Vinny played. And I didn't know Vinny that well at the time. We were friends, but we weren't like we are now. So I just started talking. It's like, hey, Vinny, how's your game? You know, you playing much? You know, how you, whatever, whatever. And as I'm talking, the guy shoots it and he misses it. And I'm like, and I just break. And I think Charles had grabbed it or something and threw a full court pass. And I just laid it up. And I felt so bad because it was not intentional. So the next time I could talk to Vinny during that game, I said, Vinny, I, I did not. He's like, shut the hell up. You made me look bad. Popovich is mad at me. I'm getting cussed
0: out. I'm never going to talk to you again. I said, Vinny, what? To
2: so this day, he hasn't forgiven me.
0: That is awesome. It I was totally unintentional. But you talked re- to MJ about golf. Now you're yeah. to Vinny Del Negro about golf. I think that was your thing.
2: It was my thing, but I was not. I wasn't scared of Vinny. Let's get this straight. <laughs> I didn't need to trash. Yeah, I wasn't trying to <laughs> stop Vinny from giving me thirty-five. Now Vinny was a great player, but he wasn't Jordan. So I was, I was, uh, I was
1: being kind of, uh, I was being sincere in that moment. I was trying to stop Vinny from giving me eight. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh shit! All right, all right. Last question. Here we go. Your life is on the line here, Dan. All right, you follow me. Your life is okay. on the line. Which would you rather have determined the outcome of your life? Shaq shooting a free throw or Charles Barkley in the fairway with a driver? Yeah, dude, do. do the numbers. I do think the you're math. dead, Dan. <laughs> There's a good chance you're not <laughs> with us anymore. <laughs>
2: On a normal so size let me fairway, get this. So he, Charles is what now? He's in the Charles
1: p- has to hit the fairway with a driver, driver and you live. He misses it, you die. Doesn't matter no how Shaq far. far hit the it. free throw line. No. no, I mean he's got to hit. I, I don't know. You can have him hit it however far you want.
2: I gotta go with my guy Charles. You man. got? Cha- I
1: got. <laughs> to. You just said he's the most clutch guy. Yeah, he he he's the got rock. the most clutch. I, I yeah, Shaq.
2: No, it's nah. got to be Charles. Yeah, that's not that's even a, a question tough, now I think tough about it. That's thing
1: though. to have your life lay in the balance. Oh, I wouldn't
2: want either one of them. Let's make sure that's – but, yeah, I'd have to go with my boy Charles. That is awesome. All right,
0: respect. Yeah. There you go, yeah, Chuck.
1: Got to. He's back now. No hitch. <laughs> that's no great.
0: Hitch. Well, Thunder, this has been a blast, my man. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me anytime. Thanks. Appreciate so, you, brother. Yep, we'll see thank on the you. Horse. Thank you so yep, much. Thanks.
0: All right, well, that was Thunder Dan Marley on golf Apart sleeves. So, I mean, it's so cool talking to this guy, a guy who got to play against Michael Jordan in his prime. Talked about battling against him.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that he didn't know that Jordan had singled him out as the guy to go up, like the guy that he had the chip on his shoulder for, until he watched the last dance. And he's like, I wonder if he'll mention me. I wonder what he's gonna say. And then all well, of a sudden, a he's like, of it. I was gonna rip Dan Marley's face in half and that. <laughs> I mean, that's the shittiest deal in the world. You got the best player in the world, and he has to have somebody to create that me against the world vibe. And it's like, oh, it's you, Dan. Yeah. because our owner, our GM, loves you.
0: That is awesome. I I love sitting down with Dan and him talking about how he chose Charles Barkley to save his life over Shaquille O'Neal shooting a free throw. Crazy shit.
1: Not – I don't like my odds either way. Might want to add me into Ken Drew hit the blue line – the net from the blue line. That would be about the same odds on that. Yeah, but – Life's in trouble at that point. I know you
0: got really, really excited talking about Dream Team 2 oh. with him. I've never seen it's, – it's almost like the rat was sitting here.
1: Oh, it's close to the – the rat's in a league of his own. But talking about Dream Team 2, I just love that team because Dream Team 1 is the team, right? That's the arguably the best team ever assembled. But they were like the consummate professional, you know, Larry and Mike. They all handled themselves the right way and all this stuff. And then here comes Dream Team 2, World Championship, and they were like the opposite of that. They were – dunking on people i mean they, they won every game by 38 or something grabbing their nuts as they ran down the court they were like the opposite of that and they just got up and down the floor kind of like more like how the modern day nba looks like that was the way they were playing they were dunking and shooting threes and that team was fun to watch
0: well it was a lot of fun sitting down with thunder dan marley thank him for coming on but so ladies we got to get to the gambling portion of the show and last week for those out there that don't know you did take daniel Berger in our one and done but he had to withdraw before he teed off so no problem we let our producer mark know that you took adam scott so don't everybody freak out. Sleaze actually did make some money this week. He had Adam Scott instead of Daniel Berger. So you get to save Boog for another I day. I got
1: Boog coming to a date to be determined.
0: All right. And I had my man Sung JM who brought me home a little top 10 finish. So, Producer Mark, how the standings looking?
2: Yeah, so the transition to Adam Scott worked out for uh, Sleaze there. Got a cool buck $125,000. You, however, with that T8,
0: got 190, stretching your lead to 83,000.
1: Ooh, snug as
0: a bug in a rug. This thing is is tight. It is. I can't believe none of us picked Mac Jones. I know.
1: I was right on the brink with him, too. All right.
0: Well, this week, we got another WGC, the Dell Technologies Match Play, down at Austin Country Club, one of my favorite golf courses in the state of Texas. This one's fun. And also, one of the hardest— Tournaments to bet of the year. I mean, anything can happen.
1: Without in a, in a survivor pool, it's like okay, you want a guy that's going to try to win the thing, but you just there's no sure things going through and looking at these brackets. There's no there's nothing that's guaranteed. So if you pick one of the big big guys, Dustin Johnson, let's just say you pick him, love him this week, and he doesn't make it out of first round, you might as well have picked Dylan Fratelli. No disrespect to anybody, you know what I mean? But like you can easily. Uh, get snubbed with a very, very small week here because it is such a crapshoot in match play. So I basically said, all right, who do I want for the the majors? Save those guys and then go to my next tier down from that. And I also looked for the easiest first you know, like pod to get out of, and there really aren't any. There's no –
0: and how they do this is there's 16 groups of four. They play round-robin play, whoever earns the most points, boom, you go on to the sweet 16, and then it's just match play from there, single elimination. So like I said, this is tough. I mean, the the groups are brutal. Just to make it out of the groups is an accomplishment. And with me – being the low man last Correct. week on JM, I have the honor, and this is tough for me. I hate this. Um, There's so many guys I want to take, but like you said, you could you could go you could go out and play great, shoot four under in all three matches, go
1: home. Lose, you run DJ Rom, run into a buzz See ya. All
0: right. Well, I I broke it down. I got my final four right here, and I went with a lot of chalk. I got DJ coming out of one side, Bryson DeChambeau coming out of one, Justin Thomas, and then I got one little fellow that's not like okay, the other three others, ones, looking for his first win. Scotty Scheffler, University of Texas product, played Austin Country Club a lot of times. I'm actually taking him to face Dustin Johnson in the finals. And I'm going with the upset, Sleece. Scotty wow. Scheffler
1: gets win his the first
0: PGA Tour win at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. And he's going off at of 40-1, to 1, so he can make some cash if it happens.
1: Well, his first win is coming. I hope it's not this week. No offense, Scotty. <laughs> but uh, his, his first win is coming. And yeah, being a Texas kid, you know, UT playing this golf course a lot of time, that definitely doesn't hurt. Like I said, I, I tried to find the the top guy that I don't that I'm not gonna pick for a major and whoever has the easiest route to get out of his first round after that I think it's even more of a crapshoot. But it was hard to find. But I'm going with Patrick Cantlay. He's at 20 to one odds on the week. I mean, he's top 20 in six of his last seven. He missed the cut at the Players. Who cares? Throw that away. Don't. It doesn't matter to me. I always expect Cantlay to be in good form. But he's the 10 seed and he's in a pod with Hideki Matsuyama, another great ball striker, Carlos Ortiz, and. Brian Harmon, who's going to be mm. a tough out too. So like like I said, I love look out. I love Cantley to come out of that group, but it would would it shock me if Brian Harmon comes and wins that thing? No. Would it shock me if Matsuyama gets out and wins? No. It's a hard thing to get out. So Patrick Cantley is like my next tier of guys. I'm not going to pick to win a major. Who's next up? And. It was Cantley.
0: This is a week if you're wanting to gamble, maybe just stick to March Madness and stay away from the golf, because this is this is brutal. Yeah, if you
1: think there's a lot of upsets going on right now in basketball, wait till you see the, the bracket come, you know, once this first round ends. There's gonna be some weird numbers up on the board.
0: All right. I got Scotty Scheffler, you've got Patrick Cantlay. Best of luck to all of y'all out there. And Sleeze, everyone, get ready. Next week it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna bring you a Shot lot of coverage. The world. Uh, I mean, th- this could possibly be the next miracle on ice.
1: This is – it would – if this – if I go three for three somehow, it's bigger upset than that if, in sports history. By a
0: gazillion. This would be the biggest upset in sports history if you went three I'm for three.
1: I'm going to the store. I'm getting some eye black. I'm going to have all the best stuff. He's bringing all the good equipment. He had texted me the other night. He's like, what size, what size skate do you wear? And all this stuff. I said – if if Ovechkin wouldn't wear the shit, don't bring it. I need the top end stuff, so I'm gonna be suited and booted, and I'm gonna get, I'm giving him hell, dude. I can. There's no laydown. dude. Wednesday,
0: March 24th, it is gonna be awesome, and we will bring it to you all on next week's golf subpar. Everyone have a great week.